0: It's like five o'clock or whatever time it was. Four o'clock. I, used, I, used, I worked usually on the early side, so I'm, I'm home three thirty, four, four thirty in, in that in that time frame. It's like I never said it, right? And uh, like it, it wasn't. There wasn't even the. I said I wouldn't do this, right? It was just it's Tuesday afternoon, and I'm home from work, and I'm you know what's in the fridge, right? Uh, nothing in the fridge. I'll have a bottle. You know, have a glass of wine, and. Um, I learned the term. I uh, learned a, what AF was on um, on Strive, and I learned the co- term cognitive dissonance. And I have used my phone actually <laughs> suggests. <laughs> my I type C O G, it goes cognitive di- dissonance, right? So like I've I've, I've said it uh, a thousand times. I, I do believe that it is like the the cancer, the emotional cancer of many things, but in terms of drinking.
1: Welcome to the One Thousand Days Sober Podcast. I am not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I am alcohol-free as fuck, and I spend every single moment of my life helping other people be the same and live a self-led life. Straight to it today. Just want to welcome all of you here and this wonderful conversation with Doug Gelling. Doug quit drinking in 2016 after a decade of increasing consumption. He never hit rock bottom, but his life was unsustainable. His health and relationships were suffering greatly due to alcohol dependence and overuse. Since quitting, Doug has achieved excellent health and emotional well-being through discipline, fitness, spirituality, mindfulness, and devotion to serving others. Doug's focus is on mindfulness, Buddhism, and Stoicism. He doesn't call himself a Buddhist, but considers himself a practicing Stoic. He also practices mindfulness daily. Doug's guiding principle can be summed up with Dr. B.J. Miller's quote. It's paraphrasing here. Life is precious because it ends. Nothing that has an unlimited supply is precious, says Doug. As I've gotten older, I understand that each day is truly a precious gift. I will not waste another one of them. I met Doug as part of Strife. Doug was a part of Strife. He joined many years ago and had a tremendous impact helping other people. And I want you to follow suit with Doug. So we are offering for free a month's experience of Strive. Come and join our online community. Come and experience our Strive Method quest, which will help you learn more about why you are alcohol-reliant, why you are not living a self-led life, and to really help you to embody new knowledge, new understanding, and new wisdom to really find the power within yourself. And also join our weekly Zoom group coaching calls. If you're interested in that, give me an email at Method at gmod.com and come and join people like Doug, who really has put alcohol behind him. So without further ado, I will shut the hell up and leave you in the capable hands of the amazing, the brilliant, the deeply thoughtful Doug Gelling. So yeah, so you you were just
0: saying, Doug, we haven't spoken since twenty eighteen, right? Like, uh, it was somewhere in that time frame, uh, maybe twenty nineteen. I don't know. Mm. But it was early, early um, Strive days for me. Early Strive days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Early Strive days. I like it. It's
1: been like ten years. It's been like ten or twelve years of different iterations of Strive until today.
0: I've uh, I, I love watching the progress. I'm uh, uh, like mutual admiration. Well, no, I don't know, but mutual admiration, admiration society. I appreciate what you do. And um, you know, those, those, those early days, I was like, I, I was not on social media and I'm still not on social media except for um, a few Facebook groups. Uh, William Porter's alcohol explained another guy, but um, Simon Chapel has a group. I so I'm on them, but I don't do social media and I, I remember, I don't know who I replied to one of the gang that, you know, one of the, the core gang back then I was kind of like, I don't know if I can say this. And all of a sudden I was chatting with people. I'm like, Oh, this is cool. And, yeah. uh, it really changed. Um, it really, was like a launch pad for me to go from, uh, just not drinking to, you know, being alcohol free. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't. I remember saying, "What is AF?" <laughs> <In>
1: that, <laughs> now I now I'm saying A-F-A-F.
0: <laughs> AF. AF. Yeah. Um, uh, honestly, on my I'm um, on my laptop here. There's a uh, I have a PDF on my desktop. Uh, the license plate uh, or what do you call them? Tags. I don't know what you call them in uh, on, on your side of the Atlantic. Um, the license plate tag for my state AFAF, is available. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to do it. I just I'm sitting there, dude. Do I feel like driving around? I I don't wear it on my sleeve that much, but it would definitely be fun. Yeah.
1: If you, uh, Tell me, um, where did where did you, how did your drinking career begin? I mean, it, culturally, you know, Strive mm-hmm. as you know is multicultural. We got people from all over the world. Um, yep. and we all have our different stories. How did your uh,
0: drinking story begin? Yeah. The first time I drank, I got completely wasted and was like dragged home. That's you know, I mean, I've never actually, uh, I've never actually connected that that was really the first time I drank. I mean, it wasn't like I tried a beer here or you know had a you know drink that you know snuck a drink. Um, the first time I drank, I don't know why uh, my uh, my good friend neighbor um, he his older siblings or some big graduation party. We were like. 15 16 or so and um we were assigned bartender duty it was really just like handing out beers you know we weren't like mixing drinks but that, you know, i guess they were going to let us be you know big kids right at the party and i went from you know trying beer to be i mean i I do remember drinking some kind of booze out of the bottle when i was 15 and i came i woke up the next day with on the tops of my feet were all cut because i was dragged by my friends back to my house and uh really this is a uh, kind of shocking to me too that was my first drinking experience i mean it's not like i'd forgotten about it but it was the first and maybe that was a you know a bad sign um but um like after that it was kind of normal you know um i have uh i have a, have a brother who's three grades ahead of me and um so like when he was like a senior in high school freshman college he was you know Big man on campus and partying. I tagged along, little brother. And so I'm in bars with him and uh, all his older friends when I was 16, 17, 18, you know, like before I was legally drinking. And it just kind of went from there. That I, you know, he was like my role model, just drank through college, um, always drinking more than everybody else, um, last man standing. But it was all kind of party mode. I, I, I didn't ever think. I didn't ever identify it as a, um, that I was drinking too much or, you know, I, I didn't even see myself being that different than the crowd that I was in, but definitely I was, uh, I was always leading the pack, um, through my twenties and, uh, in college, uh, another warning sign that I ignored, um, I had never, uh, used any drugs, never smoked any weed, um, in high school world is so different now um but uh, back then it wasn't on you know everyone's it wasn't just everywhere like it is today um and i um i tried weed for the first time my freshman year and i got really in, like I kind of in trouble with it you know i i i struggled in school primarily because of you know drug and alcohol use i got through um 4 years of college i got a degree i've been successful and that had always been my um sort of my excuse like yeah, I'm a successful guy. I got a, you know, I got a decent job, you know, but um, that's what it looked like through my, um, through my twenties. Um, I got married in, I was like 25 or six ish age. My wife, who we drank plenty said she had no tolerance for weed like that. Like she distinguished between alcohol and weed. And she says, you got a choice, weed or me. I gave up smoking. I was like, Mom, I don't, I don't, need you know, we're still drinking plenty. So um, I quit smoking weed and, you know, on the spot back, back then. And we just continued to drink through our first child being born. And um, then it's funny, like, compared then to now, um, she stopped drinking. She was a very avid breastfeeder, breastfed all her kids. Her drinking went like this. My drinking stayed the same. And I, my daughter was too, too around around 2000, my oldest was, who's like 25 now, um, was, was, was a two-year-old, um, somewhere in this ballpark, I got really drunk at a party, right. Just, but it was just, it was still regular, uh, you know, just regular stuff, you know, social, you know, partying, it wasn't, it wasn't impacting my life negatively, you know, in my mind, but it was sort of like the last straw for Catherine. And, um, I, she didn't make me or like, I just kind of said, you know what, I gotta, I gotta stop. Like, you know, she she wanted me to cut down. She, she there was there were no ultimatums or anything like that. You know, I'm drinking too much and you're it's out of control and you know, things were tough. We, you know, it was causing problems. And I quit for about a year. And um I remember we were in Italy, I had a glass of wine on my birthday because like to me like it's so funny i'm laughing at the naivete of it now <laughs> you know like <laughs> like if if someone posted i've been uh, Al- i have been for a year i'm gonna have it on my birthday i'd be like what are you doing but back then we were in this little you know hill town i'm like it's my birthday um and but i still didn't start drinking until i don't know how long that went I wasn't day counting. i just i just had quit for a while But again, it's a real, it's a real indicator. Like I wasn't, um, even though I was, I knew I drank more than probably most people, it really wasn't having, you know, significant adverse consequences. Everything seemed normal. I did quit for like, like that, that I quit though, that I, that I felt it necessary to quit. It's just like, you know, warning, warning, warning. Right. But, I, um, for no reason at all, uh, it wasn't like I was triggered or, you know, decided to I just started drinking again right and um I drank for another uh like I quit in 2016. so there was about 10 12 12 13 years where my drinking kind of just went like this again and then it kind of went like this in those now now I'm like 45 uh coming into 50 years old and I'm like starting to feel mortal and uh I quit in 2016 I'd been I I've said this to, I've I've typed this a thousand times. I woke up every day, probably for three years. I don't don't know. For, it was years that I would wake up and say, I can't do this anymore. You got to stop. Like, you know, this is, you you just, I can't do this anymore. I can't can't do this anymore. And, um, and I would like, it was just, you know, you know, you know, you know, the stories, right. Um, I, I, you know, six o'clock, the alarm goes off and I'm not talking, I wasn't, um, I would drink between four and four to six beers, three beers, a glass of wine, a martini, three beers. Like I wasn't shit faced, right? It was just like steady, always buzzed. Getting home, like the first thing I would do, crack open a beer, get changed, um, have a second beer, uh, go like go 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 cook dinner, have third. Like it was just was stupid. Like there was no point. My, my drinking served no point. And I was miserable. Absolutely. Like passively suicidal, you know, passive suicidal ideation. I just didn't want to live. And like there, there's a lot of, I'm, I'm speeding fast through it, but I, uh, I quit in 2016 and, um, in February. So here's a, here's a typical story. I am like everyone else quit in February. I'm like, that's it. I'm done. And, uh, I went to a big Irish funeral. Uh, my good friend, the same uh, family who, you know, had me bartend when I was uh, 16, his wonderful mom passed and uh, I went to the funeral, a uh, big Irish family, everyone's drinking. I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm, g- I'm going to drink. So I drank. That was February. I fucked up a cup of, pardon me. Uh, I don't know if this is, uh, you know, for children or not. Um, I had two more big drink, like sort of, I didn't binge much, but there were times when I would have like, you know, way more than, you know three, four, five, six, you know, I'd have seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, you know, I'm, I'm like faced, completely faced. I had a couple of those in like, it was May was my friend's birthday. I went to, I got absolutely shit faced and I drove my entire family home with one eye open. I'm, like, that's it. This is like, I just endangered my entire family. And the next, like two days later, I was thinking, yeah. the following week, um You know, you know this much of the story. My wife and I had been separated, are separated. A lot of conflict, um, and dysfunction. We went to an event, but we're, we've always been together, even though we live separately. um Went to some event, and we had like this: who can get more, more fucked up? Competition. Like we were angry. I got obliterated. Someone else had to drive us home, and I woke up the next day and I quit and I never drank again. Wow. So there's a lot in. There's a, a lot happened in there, but yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, that's sort of the um, the arc of my drinking
1: career. It, it, there's a couple of things that I want to touch upon. I'm not going to do it. I'll, I'll jump around. I'm do sure. logically. The first thing that I want to talk about and ask your opinion on is uh, this. I can't do this anymore. <clears throat> so, so like I, I'll ex. I'll, I'll just share how that used to work for me, and then love to have your comments. Uh, mm. What you think and feel yeah. about is um. I I would. I had the worst hangovers ever. I think. I think. Partly that was because I drunk so much, but also, you know, I'm half Asian. So there's that gene that Asian people have that makes them sicker uh, than normal people when it comes to alcohol. So I'm sure that maybe might have played, it, played an effect, but um, I had terrible hangovers. And I, I would wake up and say, I'm never going to do this again. Right. Like I, I cannot do this again. However, there was not one single cell in my body that ever contemplated never drinking again seriously when I said I'm not going to drink again. It it was almost like it wasn't serious. I just had the hangover. I'm like, I'm never going to do this again. And by the time I sobered up, the death effect was so strong. The the cognitive dissonance was so – it done such a good job of like just silencing and making everything – like making puking up blood normal. Like it was normalized so much that I never considered seriously stopping. And funnily enough, like for me, when I, the first time I ever seriously said, actually, I think I'm going to stop drinking forever. I did. <laughs> like I, I never had any of these in and out, in and out yeah. at all. All the times I said, I'm never going to do this again. It was just bullshit talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I can't do
0: this. Well, I, I, um, first of all, everything that I'll say now that I gave you like the nickel tour of, uh, of my drinking is, is in hindsight, right? You don't know any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, but I can look back now at the, that period of time. And I, and I really don't know if it was six months, a year or three years. It was like, it was a period. Things were really, I, I was really getting my ass. I was kicking my own ass. Life sucked. And I hated my job, hated everything. And, um, So so I'd wake up and I'd have is either I I can't do this anymore or you got to stop and like you like it's like five o'clock or whatever time it was four o'clock I I worked usually on the early side so I'm I'm home three thirty four four thirty in in that in that time frame it's like I never said it right and uh, like it, it wasn't there wasn't even the I said I wouldn't do this right it was just it's Tuesday afternoon and I'm home from work and I'm you know what's in the fridge right. Uh, nothing in the fridge I'll have a bottle, you know I'll have a glass of wine and um it, it's i learned the term i uh, learned a, what af was on um on strive and i learned the co- term cognitive dissonance and i have used my phone actually <laughs> suggests if i type cog it goes cognitive di- dissonance right so like i've yeah. i've i've said it a, a, a thousand times i i do believe that it is like the the cancer the emotional cancer of many things but in terms of drinking it was a total lie I can't do this anymore. That is a false statement. (laughs) I proved it every single day. You got to stop. I, I well, no, I don't. I don't have to stop. And like you, you said it was like you never said it seriously. But and in the in the moment, every morning, I was serious. It wasn't like, oh fuck, you know, I better not do this again. It was like I can't do this anymore. And deep down, you probably knew it was just a lie. And as I look back on that. I do think that that was was a a major part of another term I use all the time. And you know, again, it's all hindsight is self-loathing. I didn't even though this is this is this is not an exaggeration. um, this is not hyperbole here. Every single night in this period for whether it was six months or three years, it was it was a it was a long long time. I think it was closer to like two and a half, three years. I could not go to sleep without having a death fantasy like i would lay down low grade like anxiety i I misery like, like I, I felt i i sort of felt the self-hatred but i didn't know what it was i didn't know it was the alcohol i, I like nothing like it was it's all clear to me now then it wasn't but i would literally like you know think uh you know what if i you know had an accident or you know you know maybe maybe i'll maybe i'll get a disease maybe i'll get cancer or and and then you know no those things aren't going to happen like maybe i just like won't wake up like and maybe i can just fall asleep and not wake up you know and that was real like that that's not that's just that's just that's just day after day that's no way to live right that's not that's not living that's dying and um i think it was because of cognitive dissonance i was doing like the drinking was just <laughs> one of the things that I was doing that wasn't you know aligning with my values that what well, you know it was a major portion and a contributing factor to like everything that was that was going wrong um in my life and um and uh to me it's it's a very important aspect of my turnaround is And there's lots of, you know, there's, there's so many memes and quotes and things, but like, you know, showing up for yourself, self-reflection, transparency, honesty, uh, resiliency, like all, all, like there's, there's, you know, I I could spend the next hour just listing words like that. um, That, you know, to me, it used to be like a a supermarket uh, magazine aisle, you know, tabloid kind of, yeah, yeah, whatever. Right. That sounds good for somebody else, but I I believe, from my life, like I have so turned around. I from from like misery, self-loathing, passive suicidal ideation, wanting to die every single day. To this is hyperbole. Jumping out of bed, you know, maybe not quite, but uh, uh, trying to.
1: Thank you for your vulnerability and your honesty and going there. I Really appreciate it. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a. I never, I never got to the point of suicidal ideation. And I, I didn't realize any form of self-loathing or not, not even low self-esteem until like probably 20, 30 years later. Uh, what, it, what it was for me was I, I literally, I had this alcohol paradigm that alcohol was normal, nice, necessary, noble, and natural. Yep. And I didn't know, I only knew two people who didn't drink. Uh, one of them was a, a woman who uh, I was in love with her when we were younger. And she just never, ever drank ever. So I just always knew it as someone who who never drank. The other person was my granddad, who apparently he drank and wasn't a very nice person. Um, And then he stopped drinking because he didn't want to be a very bad person anymore. Right. They were the only two people. So whenever I would say to myself, I can't do this anymore. I think the part of me that never made it serious. And like you say, it was a lie. Uh, and I was lying to myself. I didn't have a paradigm, or a paradigm didn't exist that I could even latch onto, uh, where people didn't drink. So in my mind, and my paradigm, there's no way I could stop drinking because it's not even an option, right? Like it's yep. not an option that my unconscious pulls up and says, "Well, maybe you could stop drinking." It it was there for smoking, for sure. <laughs> like I, I remember when I stopped smoking, or when I was struggling with stopping smoking. There was an option that was, well, of course, you can stop smoking. This thing's going to fucking kill you. Like You can stop smoking. But I never had a paradigm, you can stop drinking. And I think millions of people around the world don't have that paradigm. They don't have people around them in their culture, in their cities, in their homes, in their environment, in their communities. They don't have people that don't drink. They may have the odd
0: outlier. And so... Well, do you? Let me ask you a question. Do you today, outside of, I mean, you have the truth about alcohol, and you have coaching, and um, do you have anyone in your family, this friend is, circle, no, is, and, and not and not your friends like me? Like I don't drink. I know you. Yeah. So you, you can't count me. Like anyone else who do, who yeah, doesn't this drink. Is, this is a this is a really uh, good point, actually.
1: That, that segues to something else, and I'd love to have your opinion on it. Just to finish what I was saying, I didn't have. Paradigm, and I didn't have people. But then, in creating Strive and attracting people, not just from the UK where I am, but from all over the world, like Mm -hmm. I, I did a post the other day where in one day I coached someone from Zambia, someone from Argentina, someone from Germany, and someone from Greece in a single day. This 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 problem is pernicious and it's it's worldwide. But when you gather people in small communities like Strive, all of a sudden the paradigm exists. And that is when the cognitive distance starts. I say that the jungle, the, the jungle. You start to hear the distant drums, of, mm-hmm. and 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 all of a sudden it, it becomes, oh well, Doug doesn't drink. Oh, and Ann, Susie doesn't drink. Oh, and Polly doesn't drink. And all of a sudden you start to think maybe I can do this. Um, do I now uh, see those people outside of, of Stripe in a really? This is really interesting. So I'm a, I'm a great believer in energy and attracting, and my energy attracting the right type of people. What happens to me is I have I've attracted people for whom drinking alcohol is – they're not drinking alcohol. They're not going to a pub or a restaurant to drink alcohol. They're, they're going to a restaurant to eat food, mm-hmm. and then they may order a bottle of wine and drink some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they may come to the pub to meet me and to talk to me, and they may drink, but they're not coming to drink. And, mm-hmm. and that, that, that was very different. So I, I have a lot of people around me who I would say they try to drink consciously rather than drink unconsciously, which is what I was doing. But right. when they're in and around me because I don't drink, they are more likely to drink non-alcoholic drinks because they're with me mm-hmm. than they are to drink alcoholic drinks. So like I did a video once.
0: But let we'll me answer the question. Like, isn't the short answer? No, you don't know anyone who doesn't drink outside of your not your influence but you know connection to your and my world no, of- I, I do I do know people who I know more people who don't drink
1: as a result of me not drinking. I, I just I just like no, I the- mean they, I just
0: say they don't, yeah. don't drink. I don't, no, know, don't, I don't drink. know any single person in real life like if I are we allowed to name names yeah of people okay like um Lisa from Stripe. Yeah you know, we don't, we're not in contact every day, but you know, I always comment on her posts and you know, we talk one, like we've actually become sort of friends. Mm. Um, she doesn't drink, right? She doesn't drink. It has nothing to do with me, right? She got, had a different journey, got got to where she yeah. is. I don't know anyone in real life who I'm like, you don't drink? Oh, sorry. One person. I know one person and it's a little bit different path. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know the whole story, but I think, major problems, like AA, rehabs, that kind of thing, sober, you know, sober for life. So I do know one person, take that back, who doesn't.
1: Mm. Okay. So my, 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 um, there's two things here for me. I have a close group of friends. So if you use like the house, I use the house as like a a good metaphor for boundaries, right? So I have a lot of people, I have a lot of people outside my gate. I have Mm -hmm. a lot of people inside my gate in in my front garden. I have a lot of people in my front garden. I have a lot of people in my house. But there's very few people I let into my bedroom. Out of the people I let into my bedroom, there's 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 a few of them that don't drink. But if you go outside into my house, where like my mom and my dad and my sisters and, and everybody are, I would say 99.9 percent of people drink. Even the ones who don't drink a lot drink.
0: Yeah. Yep. So the point the point is that yeah. you're saying that they, you didn't have a role model then. People don't have role models now because no. really, the I, I can see the alcohol free movement like it's like a tsunami right there there's dry bars there's you know mocktails there's you know uh, there's just sober curious there's articles but it's still i mean do you know the stats it's got to be like point zero 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 one percent of the population.
1: Hi, Strivers. A quick pause from our regular programming for a golden ticket you won't want to pass up. So, October's looming, and you know what that means? Sober October. So, if you've been wrestling with the booze or just want to give sobriety a test ride, then I've got a deal for you. I am throwing the doors of the strike community wide open, and guess what? It's free until November the 1st. Yeah, you heard me right. Free nada zip zilch. So, what's cooking in the Strive pot? Well, first off, you get to hang with a kick ass community of people just like you. And secondly, I will personally be leading weekly Zoom group coaching sessions that you won't want to miss. Lastly, you get your hands on our game changing Strive method. Feeling intrigued? Want in? Well, shoot me an email at the at gmail.com and we'll hook you up. Remember, you've got until November 1st to, to snag this sweet deal. And trust me, you'll thank yourself later. While you're thinking on that, let's get back to the action. Thank you for listening. I did listen to a podcast, Bloomberg Radio, which is like a, a UK politics show the other day, and they had statistics that showed the declining and dwindling numbers of pubs. And in the UK, it's quite drastic actually. Like basically, it's pubs closing down all over the place in the UK. And they they were saying that part of that reason is the youngsters of today are just not as interested in drinking alcohol as they used to. So, I mean, it could be because they're taking more drugs. It it, it could be because they're online more just playing video games. There's lots of different reasons. Um, There's a few things. Those
0: are both probably part of the, uh, yeah, yeah, very definitely.
1: Um, I want to ask you about cravings. So I've just finished 90 days of no sugar and no coffee. And because I haven't drank for I don't know ten years or whatever, I I can't remember. I can't remember whether I had intense cravings or not. But I my story is if I did have intense cravings when I decided to give up for good, um, I would have remembered them. I, I don't remember craving alcohol. I certainly never craved cigarettes in the twenty two years I, I smoked. So I gave this uh, no sugar, no uh, coffee thing a go for 90, uh, 90 days. And something really interesting happened to me and I, I love your, your, your thoughts mm-hmm. on it. I realized that when I was wanting to have a coffee or wanting to eat something sweet, because mm-hmm. I am more developed and I'm more evolved and I am more grounded, I spend more time above the line and being conscious. Whenever I felt the pull, I just stopped Mm -hmm. and I I breathed and I asked myself, what is going on? Who wants what? And I went into my body and I was really assessing what was going on. And and my answer that I came out of was if we were going to rate a craving for coffee or sugar out of 10, being like, fucking hell, I got to do it now, and and zero being, I'm not feeling anything. I I was only in the last 90 days getting one or two, Mm -hmm. right? Like the craving thermometer uh, the Geiger counter, just was not going off. And I realized what was happening was it would become nighttime. I down tools, I put my daughter to bed and I would go straight to the fridge to get some ice cream, not because of a craving, but because that was my habitual way of doing it. And because I wasn't grounded, I wasn't able to stop and pause and put some time in in, in the, the automatic process of getting me ice cream and then thinking about, well, do I really want it and what are the consequences of it, et cetera, et cetera. I realized it was all habit. And then I, I came to the work, I've come to the work in theory that when people say, oh, my God, I went seven days and I just crumbled, I just had to have a drink, I don't think. My working theory is that that craving was not strong enough to drive them to go drink. What happened was they were not grounded in that moment. And so mm-hmm. the habituation kicked in. And they weren't able to give themselves the time to just go, hey, do you know what? I don't really want it. I don't think it's a, a bodily sensation that was driving them there or uh, a yeah. the voice in the head going, drink, 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 drink. I just yeah. think it's just sometimes we're just like had a bad day. We don't give ourselves time to ride or surf this craving and we just go and, and capitulate. And the reason I'm saying that is because if you're listening to this and you're worried, oh my God, I can't stop drinking because the cravings are going to kill me. I don't think that's the case. So it
0: certainly hasn't been for me. Uh, what do you you think, Doug? It's, um, I'm going to try not to completely agree with you, but I basically <laughs> do. Because I think it might, it, it just, what you just said, which I, that that I agree with, has to be an oversimplification. And someone's going to like, be screaming at you in the comments about this but um my experience is similar uh also the the period of quitting for me was in 2016 i mean that's that's like that's so, that's so long. i don't even you know i don't remember yesterday right 2016 is 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 history but um i i i do know that i did not experience like white knuckle hold on get through this moment with alcohol number one I didn't have any physical, I had virtually no physical withdrawal, you know, because I wasn't consuming that kind of quantity of alcohol. So, the the withdrawal for me was completely emotional, uh, psychological, habitual, and and just sort of, I I think about this a lot when I look at some people who I wish drank less, no idea. They have no, I didn't. I'm not criticizing them. You just have no idea what your body feels like without alcohol in it. I had not been without alcohol in my body for 35 something years, right? I mean, I definitely drank week definitely drank weekly. Then for like for like 20, 30, I don't know. I drank multiple times per week, and then I was drinking daily for a decade at least, you know, or something like that. So, um, the feeling that I have. Or the feeling that I that I don't have. I didn't have like that kind of hangovers like you would talk about. I just had it was I like being like having the flu, like a little bit a little bit, of, a little bit of headache, you know, just like worn out, always just right? so. Anyway, number one, people you don't know what this like feels like, and you can it's just it's it's incredible. But back to then, I quit for uh, I if I I don't know how many days I have. I could look whenever I say this, I look it up. I'm on day twenty eight ninety six of my 30 day cleanse. I started out with a 30 day cleanse. I'm like, I'm just going to I gotta I gotta stop. I can't do this anymore I gotta stop I, you know, I was putting on it was bloated and overweight. I and I put some weight back on, but I was almost 250 uh, two fifty pounds during this period, I've gone down to like one hundred and ninety nine. I was I'm like, people are like you know eat get a sandwich dog, all right <laughs> you know <laughs> you're too skinny but um you know so I had a 30 day cleanse. And I wasn't going to drink from June 6th through July 4th, which is about 30 days. I, I didn't even care if it was 30 days. Like, I didn't know anything. And I th- Maybe we can get to this later. I think people are seeking too much information and they're paralyzed, looking for the right moment. I'm not ready. Something's got to click. I'm going to read. You know, Lee's going to say something. And it's just, got it. No. I just, I didn't know anything. I just quit for 30 days. Went, since I'd quit before, and I knew it was good. I actually journaled that whole period when I quit. Um, and so I, I look back and it's funny. I can look back at that journal and it looks like today. Life is good, clear, blah, blah. Anyway, um, I went 30 days and you know you can kind of do anything for 30 days. And I wasn't physically addicted and boy, I started to feel good. So did I have cravings? I don't think in that period of time I did. Or then I went you know, from July 4th to Labor Day, September. September to uh, Thanksgiving—that was the—that's the high holy holiday of, of getting wasted in, in, for me. Um, Christmas, New Year's, um, my anniversary, my birthday—you know—but then it's a year, right? So what I ended up experiencing, though, and, I'm, and I'd say, is this a craving? Am I? Am I? Am I craving? And no, and I'm going to come back to specifically answer your view of this in a sec. I would recognize moments where this is when I used to drink. And it was often <laughs> the most common one was sunshine, like coming home from work and it's beautiful out, right? And you get like, I'm going to get home. I'm going to sit on the deck have a beer, right? Like, like it wasn't a, like, oh man, I want to, I, I really want to have a beer on the deck. It was like, it was, I would just see these moments where, oh, that's when I used to drink. And I actually just gave someone that advice online. I think this morning that you can go to a pub or a bar, as we call them. Like you go there, and that's where you used to drink, right? Like it's. But who said? Did you? Did you start? a you know, uh, person who doesn't drink. Like there was. A, there was a. Yeah, I was. That, a, I used friend. to say,
1: um, "I'm someone who doesn't drink alcohol." Something like that. Yeah, like, and I, like, I, then like, I changed like, like, it to alcohol free as fuck because I, I couldn't be. I couldn't be bothered saying it. Right? No, I couldn't be right, bothered writing so, it because it was too. It was too long.
0: long. Like you, you couldn't make an acronym out of but it. I didn't, so. And I didn't want to do sober. Right? Like I. Yeah. I, yeah. It did, didn't flip, roll off the tongue, but you know, so if, if that's where you are, then yeah, you recognize that I used to drink, I had a fight with your wife or, you know, your kids, uh, blah, blah, or bad day at work or death in the family, you know, blah, 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 all the stuff. Um, and you recognize these moments that I, I mean, I haven't forgotten. I don't, I haven't forgotten what alcohol feels like. I just don't want it. I don't want to feel that anymore but what i see what i just, what i heard you say that i it's you got to be very delicate online as you know believe me i know you know if you remember our days on strive right delicacy being delicate wasn't my 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 strong point but i want to say you're not struggling with alcohol or 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 not you're you're not struggling with not drinking you're just struggling with life and life can be hard life can be great but life can be hard you get you get you know things happen that you don't want to happen and uh on on a scale like this, right? You know, little things, big things, or a lot of little things. Uh, um, so, you're, like, you're not struggling with alcohol. Like, that's just that's just this crutch that you've always used, you know. And um, so, you have developed coping skills, new new coping mechanisms, uh, etc. So, you 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 yeah. asked the question. I can go. Well, there's, there's two there's two two
1: things I want to comment on. But one, I, I think that this. This could be really powerful for anyone listening who is started to question and think about quitting drinking or not. For those of you that are just randomly listening to this and you don't know why and you have no intention of drinking it, so probably the death effect will probably go in your head and you'll never it won't be as powerful as it can be. But I'm going to use I'm going to use cigarettes as an example. So uh, because it's more powerful to use that example, but the alcohol is the same thing. So if you type in uh, what is the most uh, addictive substance on the planet and what is the most difficult uh, substance to stop, smoking is going to be the number one that, that's up there. And my experience of smoking uh, was that I tried several – I, I I went through like a period of a year where I was giving up every day. <laughs> like I, I would give my cigarettes to, to Doug in the morning mm-hmm. and then I would be be nagging him to give me a cigarette back – like, you know, like I, I was just, I could not beat this thing. And everything around me was.
0: I, I, I would say I quit. I quit 20
1: times a day. Yeah. And everything, <laughs> everything around me was telling me that it was as hard as I was experiencing it. Right. Um, And then I read Alan Carr's easy way to start smoking permanently. And this is the, this is the goal. Uh, the day that I finished the book and said, okay, I didn't, I, he, he says, have your final cigarette. Right. And then I, I didn't even do that. I, I I finished the book and I was like, okay, I'm never going to smoke again. And and you've got to believe me, folks, when I say this. I am not lying, and this is not hyper. hyper what do you call it hyperbole. Hyper, hyper, hyperbole. Hyperbole. Right. This is not hyperbole. Um, from the I went from say Monday. No, it was actually a weekend. It was a Saturday. So I went on Friday to thinking that like my cravings around smoking cigarettes were the most intense thing feeling ever, and I could never quit. To Saturday, not craving, and I was drinking as well. I was so surprised, like I was drinking then, and we could drink and smoke in a pub back then. I mean, from Saturday, not smoking, and twenty-two years later, because it was a, it was a, my boy was going to be born, so same age as my boy. Twenty-two years later, I can ca- categorically tell you, I've not craved a single cigarette. How do you go from not being able to do it one day and cravings being like insurmountable to the next day not craving and never craving in twenty-two years? It's because I was thinking that it was really, really difficult to stop smoking. And the smoking gave me value. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, I said to myself, this is not hard. I'm going to nail this because actually, I now realize it doesn't give me any value. And that thought process then meant that I never craved. So what I'm saying, people, is it is psychological. And why is that really important? Because you now get control. If it was biological, then you don't have as much control. But if it's psychological... You can say to yourself, Oh wow, what you're saying, Lee, my thinking is driving my craving. Yeah, it is. So change your thinking, change your craving, right? So I just
0: wanted to say that. You ever well, think- it's, it's, it's interesting because I used to smoke. I smoked on and I smoked a lot, then I smoked on and off. And then I, you know, quit on, quit, quit and on. But I haven't smoked. Well, I I quit smoking before I quit drinking. And that's kind of there was like an inverse, right? Like, so I, I quit smoking and I would I would do I quit smoking so many times. I mean, for periods, not quit 20 times a day. Um, like I would joke, but I'd actually quit for periods of time. Um, so I, like, I I knew I could do it, but you know, the drinking went like this. I still, to this day, this is, so I'm seven years AF. So I've hadn't smoked in 10, 10 plus years or something like that. And, um, there's this thing. If I, <laughs> if my my kids are older now, but do, you know when your kids come to you and they have a knot in their shoelace, yeah. Or yeah. did your wife come to you and say, "Hey, Lee, can I can you unsnarl this uh, like very fine necklace?" Right. right? You get like a pair of tweed. There's something about that behavior that makes me want to smoke. Like I get I get a craving. Like there's something I don't know what it is. I can't like, I cannot make any heads or tails of it but if someone if my wife hands me a necklace says can you get it and i'll be like yeah yeah, yeah." so that's not physical there's something like i i don't know what that trigger is or that connection is but i know i know it exists there's nothing yeah, physical because it, it's about not it.
1: because it's not in your body, right? Like it's, it's like 12, ten plus years. Yeah, you you get somebody on Strive and they stop smoking for seven, eight days, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Holy shit! Like I'm craving like maybe there's something." Which, no, it's not in your body, <laughs> you know. The the other thing I wanted to touch upon, and and I'll throw throw the ball back over to you, is um, uh, there was something that you said that that uh, triggered this thought actually. Um, for people at home, I just want you to know that I. When I was drinking at my worst, so when I was daily drinking, I was also in the height of my conflict as well, I would say, with my first wife um, and everyone else around me, work and everything. But I want to make this statement very clear. I did not drink because I was fighting with my wife. I did not drink because I was lonely. I did not drink because I had no meaning and purpose. I did not drink because I just felt complete and utter apathy and nihilism about my life in the world. I didn't drink because I was bored. I didn't drink because my mates made me drink. I drank all that was going on, but I drank because I drank. I drank because from the moment that I was born, and I've just been, uh, if you haven't listened to it, listen to the Alcohol Free as Fuck shift podcast I've been doing about my life. I drank because from the moment I was born, I was already birthed into a belief system. It said drinking alcohol is normal, nice, necessary, and natural, and noble. So I'm drinking because I'm a drinker. People like us do things like this. I'm just going to drink because everybody drinks. So when I fight with my wife, yeah, I'm going to drink because I drink. When I'm bored, I'm going to drink because I drink. I don't drink because I'm bored, though, right? Like, this is so important. I drink because culturally, that's what I do. to me, you get to a point where drinking alcohol is no different than drinking water or uh, eating celery. It is just part of your life. And that's why you drink and and getting that and understanding that and getting angry about that. Like I, I just went and had my haircut yesterday and I told the guy what I did for a living. And he said, Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you just said that actually, because is this a problem? He said, and and he told me his, his weekly drinking habits. He drinks about 8 pints a week right never really drinks more than 4 pints a night when he goes out right like so and and but he's already questioning that it's a, an issue or a problem but will he stop well culturally you know the numbers stack up and tell you that he's he's usually going to have to hit some kind of problem like the doctor's going to have to tell him there's something wrong with him. He's going to have to be done drink driving. He's going to have to have an affair after one night. Something's going to have to happen. And what a shame that that has to happen, that the guy now is already like, hang on a minute. And I was explaining to him, like he was saying, Doug, I just get this buzz. I'm in work. I get this buzz and I want to go to the pub and I'm really looking forward to having those beers. And I go to the pub and I have a laugh. And I said, listen, mate, if you were to invite me to go out with you Friday night, I would have that buzz. I'm going to go out to the pub. I'm going to meet you. We're going to have a laugh. I'm going to have that buzz. And here's the thing. I'm going to drink fucking sparkling water, right? I'm going to drink sparkling water while you're drinking alcohol, right? And my buzz is going to be maintained because alcohol is a fucking depressant. It makes you anxious. It makes you stressful. Sparkling water doesn't. <laughs> so, so if I can go out and drink sparkling water, why do you
0: need to drink alcohol, right? I, um, I try to... I go on these Facebook groups every single day. Why do I need it? I, I, I do it, right? I used to do it frequently to help people. I do help people on the side, one-on-one. They're full of noise. That's my brief story. So uh, but let me just come in here. Where did I say? Um, nope. that's my uh, reply about people looking for something that clicks. Uh, did I mention this here? So, um, and it's funny. That, like, my reply is we've... All kinds of Lee Davy and Strive you know, commentary that that we've had. But this guy says he's been, uh, he hasn't drank for 300 days and uh, feels great. He lists, you know, mental well-being, ding, ding, like, like he's rocking it. But, and he, he's been very honest, like all of a sudden I'm thinking, maybe I can have a drink once in a while, right? And so it was a really good post. Like, I'm like, okay, so this is guy, maybe I can say something that will help, you know, turn, you know, this, this guy's really like kind of digging in.
1: Well, this uh, is like
0: your birthday moment in Italy, right? So you can use your experience. Oh, true. True, uh, true. Very, very true. But um, he said that, you know, maybe uh, he, he kind of missed, he's gone out and socialized without alcohol and enjoyed himself, but he's thinking maybe go out and have one or two with his mates. All right. So, you know, it's out of the Atlantic he's on. He's going to go out. You want, know, he's thinking about going out with the, his mates and uh go to a, I said, uh, "You say you missed the social aspects." Quote, even even though you socialized uh, without drinking for 300 days and enjoyed it. While your post is very honest, I think you're not being honest with yourself here. It seems that you're missing the drug, not hanging with your mates. I mean, I'm trying to be like really diplomatic. You know, he's gone out. If you've gone out and enjoyed yourself with your mates, then you don't need the like. You you miss the alcohol. You don't miss your mates, and so that's where people are just. Like, they just, they can't even conceptualize what, you know, you and I have been, like, baptized into this new outlook that we've been fed a lie. We have just accepted the media, the advertisement, our our family, our friends, um, what everyone is doing as being completely normal. And when you stop and you step out of it, it's just like, you know this will probably get comments too. It's not sticking a needle into your arm, having a, having a beer, but it's a drug. And in some ways it has a simple, like, you know, you get a euphoric hit when you have a beer, you get a euphoric hit when you snort cocaine, inject heroin, you know, smoke pot, you know, take loot, you know, it's, so it's a drug. And you look at those things, you go like, no, 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 that's not, um, I'm not going to do that. But drinking a beer, you know, you you were big on this uh, at, at Strive, that we're, we're just indoctrinated into this drinking culture. And and I, I laugh when people say, oh, I'm Irish or, you know, I'm from Minnesota or my family is big, like, it's, no, 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 no. Everybody is drinking everywhere, you know. Yeah. Your culture isn't more drink No, it's just. I,
1: I haven't, I haven't, uh, did the, the, the example you just gave of, of uh, the guy. I have a client, um, he's that way. Well, he's that he's actually in our, he's actually my men's group. Now he's not in the strive alcohol group. He's a client who I helped quit drinking and he stopped drinking for over a year and mm-hmm. uh, turned his life around. Right. Mm-hmm. And there, there's one big thing for him was golf. So when we was working together one-on-one, he was really struggling to play golf with his mates because he had basically him and his mates, they weren't they weren't spending a lot of time in the healthy Shakti and Shiva of their masculine and feminine energies, let's say, right? They they were spending far too much time in the dark side and the toxic and the childish, like mm-hmm. little kids in men's bodies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he managed to get over it. And then something changed. And he, he drank again, right? Now, he clearly understands that it's not he's not going to the golf course and drinking because he really wants to drink alcohol. He's going to the golf course and drinking because he really doesn't have the tools and he really doesn't have the confidence and the courage to deal with his friends assassinating him and making him and humiliating him and embarrassing him because he chooses not to drink. Now, whereas me and you would probably just be like, hey, dude, I'm gonna give you fucking free strikes and you're out. You take the piss out of these free strikes. Fuck you, you're not my friend anymore. Go find another one. There's 7.8 billion people on this planet. Not everybody's like that, right? So a lot of people they build up these these friendships. And and here's another part of how our thinking and paradigms and you know fits into this is whenever you say to somebody, okay, so this guy who's calling you a pussy because you won't drink when you're playing golf. How long have you known him? Fucking well, 30 years, one of my best friends ever. Is he your best friend or how much value is he actually providing in your life as a friend? Not much, actually. Okay. If you were to so actually create a friend, what what points would they what points would they hit? This, this, these are the points that they would hit. This is the, the characteristic they would have. Did your friend up those? No. Okay. So you actually just think he's your friend because the cultural view is if you've been someone for 30 years. You're wrong and you're bad if you suddenly stop being his friend. So for me, there are 7.8 billion people out there, and they're all little kids. uh, And the adults who are little kids are just in men's suits and women's suits, and we're activated so often, and we're not practiced in the art of being grounded enough to be like, oh, hang on a minute, I'm in my inner child here right now. Like, I, I do not need this person's approval because i'm not in the fucking school playground anymore
0: but 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 i i'm thinking i thought you're gonna go a different path and i think i've read you i've read things by or listened to things from you we talk about status yeah yeah so there's like there's a sociological aspect to this Uh, where sociological aspects of this you know society you know um alpha male and you know yeah yeah he wants he uh, wants to be the alpha male and his if friends want to be like evolutionary psychology yeah. you know, yeah. is driving us to to drink now that might be you know a big bit of a stretch here but well,
1: have you seen Ch- have you seen chimp empire Mm-mm. okay so there's a program on netflix i think it's netflix called chimp Emp- empire and it and it's, it's about this hundred odd strong troop of chimpanzees but there's only one leader uh, and then there's a pecking order of who's going to be the next leader right now if you're going to use that as a metaphor for what's going on in the world with a 7.8 billion humans you literally would give the alpha male in Chimpa Empire a bottle of whiskey because that would signify that he's the alpha male. And then when he gives that bottle of whiskey to somebody else, he's the alpha male. That's all that's going on, not just for it's, the men, but it's going on for the women as well.
0: And, and you know, what, what, um, you know, people who are listening to this, if they're, if they're, um, they, there's such a different perspective when you step away, right? You know, and, it doesn't like like there's um like I said, no, I don't think I don't believe in the click, right? I don't like I I think it's experience, it's it's it's, it's lived experience that you know I just told someone, you know, so, someone asked, you know, what's a good book to read to help me quit, right? And people are like, Annie Grace, William Porter, you know, quit like a woman, da da da. And I replied, Game changer for me, quitting by Doug Gelling. And um I said, What I what I mean is. I quit. I've read and I've listened and listened and read and listened and read, and all that information I can see it's true because I've already quit. Like I, I can't see. I'm drinking. Like I'm not saying that this is the only way. To, you know, to, to quit. People get information and they learn, but I, I also think there's just like you get, um, you get hooked on the idea that you're going to learn something that that changes your perspective. And for me, like having stepped away. For so long, like I can't like what what triggers me is um, reading an article in the Wall Street Journal last night about how how important sleep is and how, ways to improve improve your sleep. And the introductory paragraph is you know about it being summer and the 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 date you know, there's more daylight and I'm like okay um, circadian rhythms I'm you know I'm getting into this article and a lot more socializing and drinking like it like it, it just didn't need to be it didn't need to be said like it was just. Like this, here's a given, you know, here's another example of alcohol being just accepted and you don't even like, don't even notice, but like when you're away from it, like all this stuff stands out as like, like crazy talk, you it know, is crazy. And it's insane. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, like, why am don't... I going to take a drug
1: to, you know, I, I it's, you know, I, you know Ryan, Ren- Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> so Ryan, Ryan Reynolds is bought Wrexham football club in North Wales. Mm-hmm. And, I would, and they've, they've created a documentary and I was watching it last night and Ryan Reynolds and, and his, his business partner who's also bought the club, he's also an actor. They have this itinerary where they're, they're going to meet the community in Wrexham and they end up in a pub and the, the locals are giving them shots and they're drinking shot after shot after shot. And, and at the end, when they interview the, the fans, the fans are like, oh my God, Ryan Reynolds was just like one of the boys. Now, imagine if Ryan Reynolds would have turned around and said, I'm not drinking. Mm-hmm. There would have been a divide. that They would have not seen him as one of the boys purely because he didn't pure poison down his throat and act a little bit stupid like they did. But he still could have had his respect, his dignity, not had a drink. Just being there and had some fun, but they would have looked at him differently, right? Now I'm obviously I don't know that. I, it's just I'm basing that on my understanding. So that, that would that right. would very likely be be the case. And yeah,
0: you know, again, like in terms of stepping away, I remember it was a couple of years ago, and I told you weather, sun was, is like a was like a kind of a not a trigger, but like oh, I I would I would drink now, but I've I've stepped far enough away. I remember seeing people. Lots of people on a big, you know, bar patio, sunshine kind of place, and um, I was driving. Actually, I kind of looked over my shoulder at at the place, and I saw someone pick up their beer. And and to me, I'm thinking, "Are you thirsty? Like, why? Like, like why are you doing that? Like, there's no value. That you, you, I don't. I no longer see the value in drinking something that doesn't actually taste good." Wait for comments on that. No, it really, you know, uh this lager t- actually I enjoy the taste of it, but it doesn't taste good and disconnects you from those around you. I don't I don't I don't get it, you know. That's no. that's that's that, that, that's early, that's that's strive 2018 talk. Um.
1: well Doug, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to call time. You've been a wonderful guest. Oh. Yep. I am actually going to have some dinner with my family, and then we're gonna drive out to the coast to do some stargazing. Uh, If I would have done this 22 years ago, I would have been drunk already by now. Right. Wonderful,
0: wonderful. Um, When are you going to be in the? Uh, I can just talk. About it. You can edit anything. No, right no, now. no. Yeah, well, well so, um, when, you, when, when are you going to be in? The, are you in the US for a while? When, what, like, you were in LA or something? No, you know? I'm in. I'm in the. I'm in the UK.
1: Right. Uh, I know that uh, I know. now. Uh, we're we we're going to stay here, I think, for the huh? future. Maybe go back to LA in the future but um, is,
0: is your wife from the states is she from la is that yeah, you? I'm California. Oh, okay okay cool cool well I, I wish you the best lee and um and this you edit out because i'm gonna get choked up i valued that time you and i kind of arm wrestled I, I really enjoy you as a person um <laughs> i respect your advice and um and you changed it for me and it was around the value question um i was you were like doug what is the value what is the like I, and i think i was talking about taste at the time and I'm like, fuck you, Lee. <laughs> and, <laughs> it does uh, taste nice. You it, can't I, tell and, me uh, you can't. You can't tell me that. And, um, so like th- that, th- those like arm wrestling, um, really, I mean, I am so fucking alcohol free. <laughs> like, you know, I'm going to get a license plate. This is AFAF, right. You know, like I can say, I will never drink any Grace says you don't know, you know, until you die. If you, if you've held that, you know, if you, if you made it, she's right. But, uh. I love being alcohol-free. And I went from not knowing what I was doing from, I quit in 2016. I started like researching, what am I doing in 2017? I think it was around 2018, I found Strive. And I was just like, you find a tribe. And um, it really just like, that changed um, everything for me. And so I still see Stella, Lisa, and um, Anna Welch, uh, Welsh or Welch, um, Like those guys, um, it's really like, it's part of my life, and I appreciate it. So I just want yeah, to say thanks.
1: And I, I appreciate you uh, totally. You uh, you are a uh, fantastic writer, philosopher. You speak so much sense. Uh, you push people to their edges and their boundaries of their comfort zone, which is really important. And you've changed and inspired so many people. So keep doing what you're doing. But I do have to run. We'll catch up yep. on another time. Yeah, be good. Hope it's less than five years or whatever it's been. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Take it easy. I'll be in touch. Take care, dad. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Just a few. Thank yous. First of all, I want to thank uh, you guys and girls for listening to this podcast and being supporters of it. Many people stop drinking alcohol just by listening to this podcast. I got a lot of people reaching out to me, thanking me for that. Right. So give this to somebody as a gift today or rate and review podcast if you can rate and review the podcast on your local podcast player and tell somebody about it you could change somebody's life today okay so thank you for listening and thank you in advice in advance for that piece of service also want to thank our producer stan um stan is still currently in the ukraine fighting the war and producing our podcast while his family is somewhere else in the world right now okay apart from him so everybody send out your prayers and your love Stan, we love you. Thank you very much for everything you do here. For you out there, if you are starting to think about, contemplate, uh, reflect on your relationship with alcohol, you do not have to do this alone. Yes, you drink alone, but you don't have to stop alone, okay? And if alcohol is not your thing, but you are starting to feel that you actually are living a parts-led life, the ego is getting in the way too much, so you're not happy with the way life is going, then reach out to us at method at gmail.com. Just say, Lee. And just tell me what is on your mind. And we'll start to have that conversation. Strive Community is a beautiful place where you can start to feel seen, heard, and matter. It's where you can get community. And it's where you can start practicing what we call the eight C's of self, our core values, right? Or creativity, curiosity, uh, connection, compassion, courage. Uh, I can't remember the rest of them, but there's eight of them, right? And we have our quest structure. So we have assignments. And they're really interesting exciting. At the end of them, we say to you, come on, do this quest, right? Get involved in this challenge. Um, and subscribers are really finding it exciting. And they're working their challenges in these areas that are going to increase the amount of time they spend in self-energy in a state of flow. And that is has amazing repercussions for the relationship you grow with yourself and for how you how you reach out to others in their life, like how you parent, how you um, are as a child to your, not child, but a son or a daughter, how you are in the relationship with the person you share your bed with and how you behave with your employees, right? So reach out to me at at gmail.com
0: if you want to learn more. Okay. Much love, everybody.